Hi, guys. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the 15-Minute Rev. I'm Dr. Missy Hood. I got a little bit of a light start today. Hope you guys are having a great week. Um, hope you're ending your week well. Happy Friday. And I uh, have an excellent word today. I got people showing up all over here now. This is cool. Hi, guys. Good afternoon. Hi, guys on Facebook. Hi, guys on YouTube. It's good to see everybody. Um, if you haven't noticed, the last three days, things have gotten kind of heavy. A little heavy in the spirit. And today <clears throat> but i'm going to explain a little bit about what's going on in your world and what's been happening and why that's been um and if you're a front runner then you're probably noticing that too you because you've probably been affected by fatigue fatigue is really really heavy and it's because now the enemy's up the ante and we're dealing with high priest and priestesses now like you know uh front runners god says i've lifted you up for such a time as this and some are called to be different parts of the body of Christ and whatnot. And so what God is doing in this hour is he's lifting up the vessels for the new move of God. Hey, Sylvia, good afternoon, everybody. It's good to see everybody. But he's lifting up the vessels for the new move of God to prepare the body for the revival portion to help bring the body back into love, back into uh, God's glory. He's trying to bring it, bring us back into his glory again. And so he's lifting up vessels for this hour, but in... Uh, counteractive measures against that the enemy's raising up his vessels and so now we're dealing with big dog spirits on people with people that have been trained up in evil bloodlines like you probably have been given a mantle in your bloodline well the enemy's has his people mantled they were supposed to have served the lord <clears throat> they were supposed to have been five-fold ministers but they chose to go their own way and get involved in the occult and so you know what they were hijacked they were hijacked by the enemy's forces. But let's get into the message for you and how you're working your way through this Friday and how you're working your way through this new season. Hope you're doing exceptionally well. I think you're going to be doing great. But the day's 15-minute title is called this. It's called In the Face of Evil, God's Still Sovereign. He's still sovereign. He's still in control. And it's called Naked and Afraid, but in real time. You ever seen that show? <laughs> Not that I watch it. I don't watch that show, actually. Matter of fact, I had to look up the title to make sure I had it right, because I don't watch that show. <laughs> I was like, because that, that's what God gave me. He said, put on their neck. He gives me the titles. I said, naked and afraid. That sounds familiar, Lord. He said, yeah, look it up on the internet. So I looked it up on the internet. It's a show. It's that reality show. And I was like, ah, okay, whatever, Lord. So here we go. Here we go. So what's witchcraft hitting you with right now? <clears throat> the Lord showed me last night that the witches and the Satanists are putting in strategies to try to get the body to work against itself. Okay, that's spells. Those are witchcraft spells. You leaders are going to have to be binding that stuff up. But they're releasing spells to get the body to attack itself. And if you know anything about the physical body, when the body has no immune system for certain diseases, the body will start to attack itself. What do you think that is happening in the body uh, of Christ right now. What do you think has been happening because we let down our guards as a nation? What do you think has been happening? We've seen people's walls of truth come down. We've seen uh, people not be able to operate in love anymore. We've seen people get hit with trauma after trauma after trauma. And so hence, they're, hindered, they're being hindered from coming through the outer courts into the inner courts. And they're not being allowed to operate in the love of God like they once did. 
they once did. And so to counteract that, because the enemy sees, you know, the enemy's not stupid. They've been practicing their mess for years, <clears throat> hundreds of years. The dark arts have been around for hundreds of years. And these people don't want to submit to a power greater than themselves. They disregard God. But the problem is, is that they're doing their wares illegally. The enemy never plays by the rules. He didn't when he was in heaven. That's why he got kicked out of heaven. And he's confined to a holy, or excuse me, an unholy hell. Not a holy. You can say whatever you want. It's not holy. But um, he's going to be confined in the lake of fire, be thrown in the lake of fire at the end, at, at the end of time. And so we're living in a time right now where the body of Christ is having to grow up and learn how to fight this stuff so that we can get our immune system back. But the Lord showed me last night that the body of Christ immune system is having a conscience. Lord showed me that the body of Christ has become or is becoming unless we change one big seared conscience. They don't know the difference between right and wrong anymore. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes and they do whatever their emotions tell them to do, which tells me you're really stuck in your flesh. And it tells me you're not flowing in the Lord nor do you really have a strong relationship in him if you're doing what's right in your own eyes because love is others-oriented. Love is others-oriented. And so the conscience gives the body the ability to discern between what is right and what's wrong, but it's up to that vessel as to whether they will obey or not. We all live by choices. God's not going to bend our will. And matter of fact, I don't think a lot of vessels realize in this season that if you continue to do what's right in your own eyes, and I'm going to get into abusing the word of God and all this stuff, God can't dwell where sin is. Matter of fact, judgment's here now, and we're seeing justice come in right behind it. But what these vessels don't understand, because we're still in a culling season where God is culling the true remnant away from the goats. He's separating the tares and the wheat. He's separating them now, still, at deeper levels. And if a vessel continues in its own ways, God will have to disqualify that vessel. You'll forfeit kingdom. You'll forfeit your future. You'll forfeit your everything. You'll forfeit. You'll forfeit God's spirit because you'll have to pull a spear back. It came to where sin is. Pardon me. This is why it was important, why God told us to get cleaned up. Because of this culling process that's going on, to determine whether you're gods or not. It's a separating by God's own hand as to whose heart you're going to serve. You're going to serve the enemy's heart or you're going to serve the Lord's. And the enemy's actually having a field day by using those not of God to attack the remnant because their heart and consciences have been seared to the truth. They don't know the difference anymore. So they're continuing to do what they feel is right. What they feel. Now that's the key word there. Feel. Remember your feelings have nothing to do with your faith. Your faith and your feelings are two totally separate entities. <clears throat> and we're living, pardon me, in a season now where if you're following the Lord in all truth or trying to follow him in all truth, you're letting God clean you up. He's taking you through deliverance to where he's cleaning your bloodlines up. He's cleaning your heart up because the curse is going to stop with you. Right? Hopefully it's you. And you're going to quit doing what your forefathers once did to get us in this mess to begin with. So that we have to choose to grow up and show up so that God can show up around our vessels in presence. He can't dwell where sin is, nor is he going to come back for a child bride. He's coming back for a mature bride, a spotless bride. 
And it's up to us to participate or not. And so he's bringing us back to the basics of love, and he's trying to get us back into his glory. But we have to choose to go there. And even when you don't understand the process, God's not going to tell you exactly how he's going to do things because part of the process is you're learning to trust him. Pardon me. In all things, whether you understand what he's putting you through or not. That's part of that trust test and coming forward in him and knowing that he's good. You've seen him operate in past seasons. You know that he's been faithful in past seasons. So this is that. And so there's four people groups that were named by one of the leaders today on one of the platforms. And they said that only one people group is going to be going into the new place of God, which requires trust. It requires obedience. And I'm going to say strict obedience. God's getting us into that narrower place now. And it's interesting because yesterday I had an encounter with the Lord while driving. And, I, and I'm not going to get too far into this because of different maturity levels. But I started sensing this sense of freedom like I used to feel when I was really young. Like around 16. <clears throat> and I know a lot of you don't know me. But my, my, my dad was a strict uh, he was a colonel in the military, but he was a strict disciplinarian, and he required us to have manners. He required us to operate in honor. Uh, he he demanded it. As a matter of fact, he demanded honor in his household where you respected each other. You did unto others as you want them to do unto you. And But it was a time because I was born a free spirit. I was born, I wasn't raised in church. I was raised listening to Billy Graham on Sundays. I'm not going to get too far into that, but I watched it with my dad because that was one of his few days off, so I could spend it with him too. Um, But I was driving in this place, and I felt this sense of freedom, and I said, what was that, God? What was that? He said, remember that? He said, you remember that? He said, that's where you used to be when you were younger. He goes, and remember... Because you were free, Missy. You were born free. Some people were born free spirits purposely. The front runners, those of you called the front, were born to be free spirits because God didn't want you affected by the spirit of religion or by the spirit of sin and death. So he didn't raise you up. He connected with you. That's another conversation. He connected with you. And you might have gotten saved outside of the church. I did. I did at a young age. Got spirit-filled at 16. But it was a time of freedom in my life where even though I was raised in a strictness under a strict household, I felt free. I felt so free. I felt joyful. I felt safe. And I didn't feel like I was confined. So the Lord reminded me of that. He said, don't ever be afraid of where I'm taking you because the closer you get to me, the more free you become, the more free you become. And so we have a lot of people trying to trust God in this new place. And we got a lot of people thinking, Oh no, I'm going to lose. I'm never going to have fun again. I'm never going to have fun again. I'll tell you, (laughs) I'm telling you, man, there's freedom. The closer you come with the Lord, there's such freedom here. And so it's, there's freedom in not being controlled by, uh, things of the past or by a curse. There's freedom in that. And people think that it's so much safer to stay where it's familiar. Those are familiar spirits, by the way. And the enemy loves you to stay there because he wants you to get left behind. He wants you to get left behind. And so God is raising you up 
to combat what you don't know about. Um, he lifted you up for such a time as this, but to combat the enemy and his forces, which we'll call them front runners. God always raises up a standard, but it's God's standards that's going to prevail, right? Okay, so it's front runner against front runner, and the enemy's trying to use his to get us out of God's time. So let me ask you to follow me here. So these are called, the, the enemy's front runners are called time benders or cradle witches. I'm not going to get too far into that. But they were born through evil bloodlines like you were born from holy bloodlines. <clears throat> Most of you, if you're a front runner for Christ, I'd be willing to bet that you have people in your bloodline that have passed a mantle on to you. I know I have for many generations. Many generations, a holy mantle of God. And I, when I realized that, I thought, holy smokes. <laughs> no pun intended. But I really did think that. I thought, oh my gosh. I remember so-and-so doing this. And I remember so-and-so doing this. And boom, boom, shakalaka. Here we go. Here we go, God. And God said, okay, ready or not, here I come. Let's go, Miss O. That's what my dad used to call me. He'd call me, hello, Miss O. Why are you calling me that for? He'd have all these crazy names for me. I used to give him such a hard time, man, because he was so uptight. He was so serious about his calling. He was straight-laced and military, simple. He liked things clean. I did. I like things clean, too. I like things simple. I like clean tennis shoes. I won't go any farther than that because it's in my book. You can go by my book. But he was so adamant about things being simple. So I would always try to give him a hard time. And, and as a matter of fact, he was so focused at work, and I'd go to have lunch with him every Wednesday. <clears throat> and I would go by his office. He had a lobby before you walked into his office, so you could never see who was sitting in his office. And there was always somebody in there, but you, they were sitting back, so you couldn't see him. All you could see when you walked by his, his office door was his desk sitting there, and if he was at his desk, you'd see him, and if not, he, you wouldn't see him. So I'd always do something crazy to shake him. I just had to shake him. <laughs> so I'd, I stuck in, because I saw his secretary's name was Dodie at that time. He passed away, by the way, when I was 22. So this is a long time ago. But I'd sneak in, and I was probably about 18, 19 at the time. And I'd sashay alongside, and I'd go, hello, baby. And this one day I did it. I didn't see two generals sitting there. And I was horrified. I, I was absolutely petrified because I knew I was in deep kimchi. And he stood up real fast, and he said, hello, Melissa Ray. He said, General Dennis. General McGinnis, he goes, this is my daughter, Melissa. And now that she's made an ass out of herself, she's going to go sit out in the lobby. Right, Melissa? You're going to sit out in the lobby, and I'll join you for lunch in about 15 minutes, correct? Correct. And I said, affirmative. Affirmative, sir. I'll go sit out in the lobby. And I was petrified. I thought, oh, I'm dead. I'm so dead. I break that in Jesus' name. But I, I, was, I was so afraid. So he comes out, and unbeknownst to me, he starts cracking up. He said, you deserve that. He said, you deserve that. He goes, let's go get a burger. So we went out and we, you know, we went and did our father-daughter thing. And But he, he was awesome. He was a great dad. and But he, he taught me a lot about staying in my lane. He taught me a lot about, you know, it's not so bad to have a simple life. And he taught me a lot about honor. Boy, did he teach me a lot about honor. Say so yes, sir, and no, sir. Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. And I don't care if you're younger than me. I'm going to address you with yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. Because you reap what you sow. 
you reap what you sow. And, and honor is a big deal in the kingdom. Matter of fact, it's one of the top languages outside of love for heaven. Where you understand that there's an order and a way to do things. There's a way to do things. And there's a time and a place for everything under the sun. And, and it helps you to get outside of yourself so that you stop being so self-focused. That's another thing I loved about the military, being a military family. Because I was raised in a family where my dad used to tell me, because I was, I was an odd little duck. <laughs> I, was, I was raised around a bunch of cowboys where everybody in my family knew that I was kind of the odd little duck. And all these ranchers and farmers, like we'd get together at family gatherings and they'd all whisking around me like, okay, we got to take care of this one. She's a little bit, she's a little bit different. We got to protect her. Don't let her get too far out of her lane kind of a thing. And I'm just like, what is wrong with you people? Let me just be me. Let me just be me. Leave me alone. Buck Rogers, leave me alone. So, but I learned about honor and I learned how to love people. And I learned about, you know, simplicity is not bad. And that if you want to go far in this life, you're going to jump in there and you're going to do whatever God tells you to do in order to get the job done. But we're a team. That's the key. We're a team. And I believe this is the message of the hour that God's trying to get across to the body of Christ. We're supposed to be a team. And if you, if you continue on in an independent spirit as a member of the body of Christ, you can cause the team a lot of heartache when one member gets out of alignment, okay? So you've got to remember, we're not lone islands in and of ourselves. And just because you don't understand my function in the body or I don't understand yours, does, or I'm an odd duck to you, I don't care. <laughs> I'm just going to do what my boss tells me to do, but I want to keep functioning. I'm going to stay connected, but I don't want to do anything that's going to cause my teammates harm because I love them. I love them. And so back to the message now, we're going to get into Esther now. Mordecai had a little bit of a breakdown. If you've read anything about the book of Esther, he had a, he was having an emotional breakdown when Haman got out of line. He got out of time. Esther 4, 1 through 7, 10, when the devil tries to set you up beyond your control, Ever felt like you were in a situation beyond your control and you thought, what was that? What was that guy? What was that? But during this particular season, Mordecai had actually gotten word before Esther did about what Haman had done and what Haman was trying to do to God's people. And he was trying to destroy God's people. We've heard this story a million times. And... But if you know anything about Mordecai, and I've, I thought about this today for the first time. Mordecai was a strategist. Did you know that? I thought about this. I thought about the way he dealt with Esther before he told her to go and be presented before the king. And <clears throat> I thought about the way he looked out for the Israelites. And he was always strategizing, but he was always very, very close to God. But the problem was he was doing it in his own ways through traditions of man. Because he was Jewish. Let's go there. But he was a strategist. He was always trying to see ahead of time. So he was a visionary, if you ask me. Maybe an apostle. I'm not going to pretend like I'm God. I don't know. That's what I discern. But he was also discerning. I'm going to say he was discerning. <clears throat> so he was watching things unfold in Esther's midst while she was learning to trust the king or the Lord. While he walked her into safety. And she didn't even know what God was setting her up for. She didn't know, but the king did. Her husband did. Because he loved her. You know the story. 
he loved her. And she knew that he loved her because of, by the way, he treated her. But for Mordecai, for a minute, he lost his focus. He did. He lost his focus. How many of you feel like sometimes in the middle of adversity, you lose your focus? Like, and, and like right now in America, people are losing their focus. They're like, wait a minute. The news is, it just keeps going on and on and on. And God's like, come back into your right mind. <laughs> Don't lose your focus. Don't lose your focus. The Mordecai had gotten his eyes off God and he began to weep for God's people because of how vulnerable they had become. They lost their immune system. They lost their conscience. They, I'm not going to say maybe they didn't lose their conscience, but they lost their focus. In their current state, they were at the mercy of the king and they didn't even know it. And if you know anything about these times that we're living in, no one was allowed to enter the palace in mourning clothes, but Mordecai was wearing his. And if you know anything about God, God tells us to come into his presence with praise. With praise. So by man's laws, Mordecai wasn't allowed to enter because he was Jewish and he was not dressed correctly. He was wearing mourning clothes, which were his customs. That was the way of man. The way of man. Okay, those were the Jewish customs, traditions of man. Doctrines of demons, traditions of men. Follow me here. I, Ida, can you, is Ida still here? <clears throat> Let me see if she'll pray for me real quick, please. Thank you. So Mordecai had been standing outside the gates of the palace in his morning clothes, trying to get a glimpse of Esther because he knew how the devil or Haman was setting God's people up. And in the situation, he knew it was a situation beyond their control where they had no power to get out or to get outside of what God would have had them do. Only God could have rescued them. Only God could rescue them. But I believe this is where God is commanding his people today, is to shift outside of man's ways and into his ways, okay? What do I mean by that? Notice how Mordecai was dressed. <clears throat> you can be dressed for success, or you can get behind the times. You can... Do things your own way, or you can let God change you to prepare you by doing things his way. You can get redressed for the season you need to be standing in. How do you do that? You got to keep your focus, first of all. You got to keep your focus knowing the signs and the times. That's sons and daughters of Issachar. And you got to know when the cloud's moving. And just because you don't understand how... The cloud is moving, <clears throat> and you may not even be sure what time it is. You just know the time is late, but it's never too late for God to move. And if you know anything about what happened to the Israelites, they were getting desperate because of God's people being stuck in the flesh. Back then, they were stuck in traditions of man. They were still doing things the way they had always done it. But if something's not working for you, I know you've probably heard this. That's the definition of insanity, to keep doing things the same old way when you're not making any headway. And so you've got to try something new. And God's saying, here, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm trying to lead you out of the old and into the new. If you'll just follow me and trust me, which is what Esther had to do. So man's customs are traditions. They're flesh-based. And this hour, God is telling us to stay in his spirit, stay focused on love. You may not have remembered it. You may have not done it for a while. That's how far away the body's fallen away from God's heart. 
God's saying, if you'll trust me, I'm going to take you back there again. And even Esther saw and was trying to get, she saw Mordecai wasn't dressed correctly. He couldn't come before the king in grave clothes. It was part of protocol. He could not approach the king in his own way, in his own clothing. He could not come as he was. This wasn't a McDonald's drive-thru. He couldn't just drive through. Hey, I'm here. Good to see you, sir. He couldn't do that. So she was trying to get Mordecai to get an audience with the king because she knew he could probably talk for her. She had more confidence in him than maybe she had in what God was trying to do through her. I'm going to get to her here in a second. She was a front runner. But he was trying to get into the king's presence and she was trying to make sure he was dressed in the glory. That's part of your story. But <clears throat> his was trying to get him out of grave clothes. Grave clothes are your generational cursings. You don't go before God in mourning. But she wanted him dressed appropriately. But he wouldn't go. He wouldn't go. How many people in God's church do we see choosing not to get dressed correctly in this hour? So they can enter into God's glory. Back into love. How many people do we see? Oh no, I'm good. Have you ever seen that that cat's t-shirt with that cat on it? And he looks like he's been blown up and his eyes are as big as cans of beans but his hair is all over everywhere and he said no i'm good i'm good i'm fine i'm fine. everything's fine i'm fine i'm good how many people feel like that in this hour but you're not fine you're not fine everything's not fine and so if they knew if these people had known what waited for them on the other side they would have gotten stripped down bare naked in front of god in a heartbeat in order to get dressed by their heavenly father do you understand when, when, when God's telling you, you can come before me in authenticity. You can come before me as you are. It's not like he doesn't already know our heart condition. But the problem in the body is that everybody's trying to put on airs. They're trying to wear masks. And we see it in all facets of the body, whether they're stuck in religion or even in the parts of the prophetic movement or parts of the people that are operating in the fivefold. Everybody always i mean not in all i'm not judging anybody i'm just telling you what i'm thinking I'm, I'm observing here is that everybody thinks they always have to have it together you got to have it together when god is calling us to be a team he's calling leaders to jump in there with your people now and start rolling up your sleeves and start getting clean and being careful obviously because there has to be protocol you don't want people getting too familiar but the problem really is that people need to know that they're a part of something they need to feel like they're all contributing to something, that it's not just a certain group of people. Do you realize that only 20% of the body does, does the majority of the work now in the church? Do you realize that? And we're living in an hour where God's saying, hey, it's all hands on deck. I can't afford this 20% thing. I want all of you to come into the feast. But if you continue doing what's right in your own eyes, you're going to get left outside. That's what God is saying. And so... If you knew what waited for you on the other side, because so many in the body are foregoing their the foregoing kingdom. They don't realize that they're fixing to get left outside. They're praying, they're praying for change, they're praying for blessings, but they can't have it on this level. <clears throat> they have to go up a level. They have to do things a new way. <clears throat> Pardon me, please. <clears throat> God, I love these allergies. But because people keep demanding their own way or their right to be right instead of trusting God, 
They're refusing to acknowledge their own wrong heart condition. We've got people at different levels. We've got a whole lot more being stuck at the lower levels now because they're afraid of moving. <clears throat> they're afraid of being wrong. We have others demanding to be right, <clears throat> staying just like they are. So they never change. They're never going to be changed. I'm not going to say that. They're choosing not to be changed. And I think they're okay. And, and especially, I think it's even harder, too, for those operating in the five-fold because you are trying to discern. You're trying to figure out if you're going the right direction. But you know, in this new season, you've never been here before. A lot of you have never been here where God's trying to take you. <clears throat> and so you're trying to understand God's heart with your man-made ways. And God's like, your ways aren't my ways. Just put that to the side. He's putting you in a trust test. So Esther sent one of the king's eunuchs to go to Mordecai to shake him back into his right mind to find out what was troubling him. To get him out of his grave clothes. But Mordecai didn't like the reality of what he saw on the horizon. And he refused to change his clothes. And so he was adamant about staying at the gates. He wouldn't go in. He didn't want to do things a new way. He didn't want to come before the king. <clears throat> so there are some times, you know, and I have to say this too, in all honesty, I'm just, this just came into my spirit. You know, when we know God's in the room, have you ever been into a, 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 an atmosphere where you feel the weighty presence of God and you know God's there? And it kind of, if you have hopefully a holy respect for the Lord, you feel his presence and you know that something's about to change. You don't know if you're going to be called out. You don't, and you're hoping you're aligned. You're trying your best to be aligned. And, and hopefully if you have the courage to, to go before a holy God, you know, he's loving, but you know, something's about to change when you get into that atmosphere and you walk out changed. You do. You walk out different. But it's it's a it's a scary thing to walk into the presence of love, <clears throat> because love sees all. So what I really am sensing in the body is that we got a whole lot of people that know their own heart condition. They know they're not dressed for the king. Yet they're like, I'm comfortable here. I don't I don't want to have to do any more work. I don't want to have to change. I don't think I'm so bad. Well, and then they use the excuse of, well, God's a God of mercy. God loves me just like I am. Yeah, he does love you. But no, you can't come closer to him like you are, Mordecai. You can't do that in those clothes. You got to get up and you got to get out. And you got to get up and out of that outfit. You got to come into the glory in transparency and authenticity, just like you are. And you got to get to the place and letting God show him or show you who you are in him <clears throat> to where you become okay with you, just like you are. And then you learn to love others just like they are because you've learned to love yourself. That's part of authenticity. When you become okay with your flaws, you, you're okay. You know God's got you in transformation. You know he's got it. He's sovereign. So you've got to be willing to do something different if you want something different in order for things to change. But Mordecai was stuck in the law that had been made illegally looking at man's ways, thinking that the new laws were the end for he and the Jews. He was looking at the new law that had to be made or that it was made by Haman. But what he couldn't see was that God was raising up vessels to help set them all free. And in America, these are the front runners of God who are being called to help bring God's people back out of their grave clothes, generational cursings, and back into power, back into the heart of God's love. And by the way, let me just encourage you, because even though the enemy's raising up some front runners around us, 
Love is the most powerful force on earth. And I feel sorry for these people because they don't know what awaits them at the end. They, they, the enemy's trying to call right wrong and wrong right. He's trying to make it look like hell is some glorious place, like the devil is some good person. The devil is going to kill you. Do you understand that? He wants you dead. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's after your soul. A lot of you have sold your souls to him in order for fame. That's what they do. They trade, they make contracts with the devil, these witches and Satanists, and these people in Hollywood. They make contracts with the devil in order for him to exchange things to them. Fame, wealth, all these things. But it'll always cost you something to do a deal with the devil. That's why you don't mess with him. You just don't. So you got to change your clothes. So Esther was a front runner. Let's move on. And she had no clue about what was fixing to happen to the Lord on her life. But she had learned to listen to her elders, Mordecai. So she obeyed. And she became the wife who was joined in marriage to the king. You follow me? She got joined in marriage. God had saved her, and she didn't even know she had been saved. And he said, I'm going to crown you, and I'm going to make you the queen, and I'm going to have you marry me. And become one in the spirit with me through resurrection power. Are you following me? So you can be used to help the others come back to me. Come back to love. Come back into the glory. See, what you don't know about forerunners, forerunners were born for the fire. <clears throat> Some have been given gift of joy. <clears throat> Pardon me. Others faith. I'm sorry for my stuff here. Um. But very, very few have been given the gift of love from birth. That's the presence of Christ in your vessel from birth. It's what God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit did with Jesus when he was born in Mary's womb. But God birthed himself with the front runners into the mother's womb from birth. We've had the presence of God in our lives from birth. We still had to go through the salvation experience. We still had to get spirit-filled. We had a choice. We could have been hijacked. Some of us, not us, but I chose God. But yeah. So... You have to know who's with you in the battle, first of all, but also who you are as a frontrunner. And Esther was a frontrunner. And God is sending us in in these times to try to tell the saints, it's time to change your clothes. It's time to change and get changed to meet the king. If you want to reside closer to the Lord, you can't just come to God any old way you choose. You don't. God tells you to guard your heart, doesn't he? Guard your heart with due diligence. So, frontrunners are chosen to serve at the pleasure of the king. We, we are armor bearers for God's heart. And so, in order for you to come near the king, you have to meet God's standard. Follow me? So, God's telling you, I want you to get redressed. I want to redress you in my glory. I want to make you fit for a king, being a son or a daughter of the king, sons and daughters of Issachar, knowing the signs and the times. And so he's trying to show us who we are and whose we are, but we got to get dressed rightly first. And so, you know, it's really cool about Esther because she had firsthand knowledge and she was trying to convey this to Mordecai, her husband's goodness. <clears throat> She'd met the king. She'd been intimate with the king. And she knew how he took care of her and that she trusted him. And she trusted him with her life enough to go into him. Even when she wasn't supposed to have, she knew it was a risk of her own life. We've talked about that before, but 
She knew he loved her. And that was the only thing she needed to know. So she boldly walked in there and he accepted or extended his scepter, which meant his approval was extended. Come on, come on in, honey. I know who you are. He was proud of her. He loved her. Come on in. Which is why she sent Eunuch back to tell Mordecai. She was trying to tell him, change your clothes, brother. It's time to change your clothes. Quit being afraid to get naked. It's not like God can't see your vulnerability. That's what she was trying to tell him. This is my words, by the way. And, and it's like he, he, sees, he sees our weaknesses and flaws. And he's sovereign. And he's in control of all this. So let me tell you about my king. Let me tell you about him. My husband. My, he's my kinsman redeemer. Let me tell you. And he's nothing like Haman. He's nothing like you're afraid of. And he, he sees through the evil. He knows what's going on. This is what time it is, Christian. Did you know that? Do you truly understand Psalms 31, 15? <clears throat> when it states it, we know what it means for God to be in control. Because if we know what time it is and we understand that all things have been made beautiful in their own time, that meaning everything has a time under the sun, if you know the word. And, and if prophetic things have not been made beautiful yet, certain things have not been fulfilled yet, something's out of time. Something's out of time. And so the enemy is usually out of God's timing. So it's not time for him to come on the scene yet. Let me read Psalms 31 to you. 31:15. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine upon your servants. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I have cried out to you, but let the wicked be put to shame and lie silent in the grave. Those are pretty stout words. Hence, back to Esther. Did you know that frontrunners have a very dangerous job? Esther had a very dangerous job. And she actually had a choice at this moment. Because if you don't know anything about frontrunning, frontrunning can be very, very stressful. And especially at times when no one's ever been to these new places by the Spirit before. It can be very stressful. Because no one gets you, no one knows, no one really knows what you're all about unless they have sit down and have a conversation with you. But unless they get to know you and get to know the heart of God in you, then usually they think you're a heretic or something. But we can't help but be who we are. We can't change our callings. It's who God made us to be. We've been this way, and this was God's plan for our life. But Esther had never been in front of a king before let alone married to one. <clears throat> Remember, Jesus is coming back for a pure spotless bride. So, who will be God's bride? That's what he's saying in this hour. Who will be his Esther during these times or who have the guts to come before the king? Do you have the guts to come before God and be who he's called you to be? Does this make sense to you, no matter what it costs you in order to be set free? Because these are the front runners in this hour. These are the people the church has yet to understand. Our families don't understand us, our bosses, the church, let alone leadership, because they have yet to grasp the new move of God. The new move of revival in God's attempt to bring his people back to love again. You understand? But in order to come into the deeper places of love, we have to be invited and if we choose not to get naked before the Lord, authentic and transparent in our weaknesses, we can forfeit our invitation into the banquet feast held by King Jesus. We got to get new oil, virgin. 
Got to get new oil. So it's time to shake off the old grave clothes of death and come out of the spirit of death and come back into life, <clears throat> out of the flesh, which means we have to adhere to the protocols of the king. We have to quit trying to do things our own way and obey what God is telling us to do and learn to trust him again. This is where we're at. So we're going to move out into 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 26, where it talks about being gifted by God. Having gifts from God, but using them for evil. You ever met people like this? This was a time, and there was a time during this portion where Paul was talking about, where a lot of Christians were actually highly gifted by God. But some were using their spiritual gifts in unspiritual ways, or for evil. You know, I see it today. I see it all around when we see people who have, pardon me, they have, they have uh, made their identity in their gift. Your gifts are not who you are. Your gifts are a tool and part of the instrument of your person in the way God uses you. It's not your identity. Okay, that's why you've got to come into true authenticity to find out who you are and whose you are in Him. Because if you don't, the one thing that you do well Versus what maybe, say if you had a not great relationship with your folks, you had a critical parent, critical mom or dad, and they, you never could do anything right. You couldn't do anything right in their eyes because they wanted you to be like them. They wanted you to be molded into their identity instead of, maybe they weren't such a great example of the Lord. And I'm not trying to judge. I'm just telling you. And so you develop this mindset or this thinking i can't do anything right and so the one thing you do right which is your gifts maybe you perform really well and you like your gifts hopefully you do hopefully you do and but the problem is is that's not who you are that's just an extension of your calling so you still have to come into true authenticity and get free and healed so that you don't get offended when people say hey that's not God. <laughs> They're like, no, you got a different spirit operating here. That's not the spirit of the living God. Did you test that spirit? So we have to understand God's ways. Our ways aren't God's ways. And we have to submit to authority. We have to understand the protocol of God within the church. There's always a, I hate to say it, a hierarchy, but there's a way that God says is right versus what we think is right. And so this is where people get bent out of shape and they're like, how dare you tell me that? How dare you? You're just a mean old leader. You're a mean leader. And, and, and they get all upset and it's because that was their only thing they did good in their eyes. But that's not true. That's not true. Nobody's trying to, you know, put anybody down when they're correcting. They're just trying to keep order. There has to be, I'm sorry, but when you jump on a train, which is the, usually the train of individual ministries, there can only be one conductor. You're not him. If you're following and trying to align your train car up with that ministry, you have to align with leadership. And God has put that leader in place to guide the train with the vision that God's instilled in that leader. You got to learn to connect correctly. And if you can't stay connected correctly, you may need to disconnect and find another train, but you know what? You can go from train to train to train and you'll wind up all across the United States. And that's a whole nother story. That's a bunny trail with my ADHD. In <laughs> Let's stay on task. So gifted by God, 
You don't want to be using it for evil because God can't dwell where sin is. And this occurred in Paul's day where Paul reminded these people like God's reminding his people today of three basic truths. He's saying there's only one Lord, only one. And where the spirit glorifies God and not himself. Who do you glorify with your gifts? Are you trying to get kudos for your gifts? Are you actually giving those kudos to God? Because it's not you that's doing it. It's him flowing through you. Not you. Don't take God's glory. He won't tolerate it. So the Lord gave us the gifts so we could serve Christ in his church, not ourselves. Because abusing the gifts is the quickest way to losing the anointing or have God draw his spirit back. Because it's considered an abuse of power when we're supposed to be submitting our gifts to the prophet of all. Because he alone is the only one who's allowed to use those, actually. Did you know that? Those are his gifts. They're on loan to you. And Jesus said, he only said what he heard his father say. We have a whole lot of people today speaking out of their emotions. And they're not testing the spirit because they haven't gotten free. They haven't gotten delivered. So they're confusing their emotions and their opinions for the spirit of the living God without learning to test the spirit. And they don't have accountability. So they don't have anybody because they won't submit to anybody. They don't like leadership or anybody telling them what to do. That's probably because of the abuse they've walked through. So we have a lot of people forfeiting kingdom. That's amazing. But if you know anything about what Jesus said in John 12, 49, he said, I did not speak on my own, but what the father who sent me commanded me to say all that I've spoken. You want to get your prayers answered? Only pray what Jesus prays. Only say what Jesus says. And if you know anything about the prophets, usually prophets, they don't really speak a whole lot unless God's talking. So here we go. Are you allowing your gifts to come under Christ's lordship? And are you getting deliverance so that the devil and his people can't manipulate your vessel to use them for evil? Remember I told you at the beginning of the conversation, they're trying to pit the body against the body. By having people pray against people, you're being used in a plot of the enemy. The enemy's setting you up for judgment if you're part of this. So uh, it would make a vessel uh, serving two masters if you're doing this, by the way. So one of them needs to go. So lest God leave your vessel First, for disobedience by drawing back. So that's number one. But number two is this. So there's only one God. There's only one Lord. There's only one body. Well, we all should belong with one another. And even if you don't understand how God uses another vessel, doesn't mean they're not of God. But it could mean that you've gotten out of time with God or out of alignment with God or in the wrong season. Hey, James. And trying to force a member of the body out is only going to cost you kingdom, not them. They're not the one misaligned. And then number three, there's only one danger. And this is what's happening in America at present. When a part of the body is declared independence from others, from the others, this is called a seared conscience or pride. Where a vessel thinks that it's got to have its own way it's got to be out front it's got to be doing another function or another body part knowing that they're wrong but stuck in their own ways thinking it's appropriate to tell god what to do and god's about to prove them wrong 
Who do you think is going to win this fight? Who do you think is going to win this fight? Not to mention, who's looking foolish in this? And what happens to those members who get separated from love or the new move of deeper truths? When you get separated, when the cloud moves on, what happens is that you're part of the body. Your part starts to die. This is what happens to a body part that refuses to get realigned for the right season. Remember, the cloud's always moving. By day or by night, are you keeping up with it? Are you keeping up with it? So we have to understand, too, that division in the local church only brings weakness and pain when a portion of the body refuses to enter into unity for the season God's having them step into, if they even choose. And you have to also remember, too, we're not lone islands in and of ourselves. This is all hands on deck right now. We're all called to be part of a body in unity and community. Look at the sign. Community keeps you going. It really, really does. So every body part is necessary in order for the body of, part, or body of Christ to function correctly. And if one part of the body is honored or is chosen for a season, all the parts should be glad. All the parts should be glad. Because it helps us all to function correctly. Which brings us into Psalms 36, 1 through 12, where David was talking about how man is inherently wicked. But what this psalm tells us too is it's it's because nobody ever gets away with anything in this life. Sometimes we think, you know, God, are you paying attention to what's going on in our world right now? Sure he is. He's sovereign. He's got a whole plan. He's working it through in his timing. And just because it hasn't happened yet, it's happening. Trust me, it's happening. But are you staying up and keeping time with the cloud? Are you moving with him and getting free when he's telling you to get free so that you can discern what time it is? But at this point in the ballgame, I'm good, I'm on time. David had seen a good deal of human nature, and he also knew a lot about his own heart condition. And in this oracle, or this psalm, God had shown David the hearts of men, and he knew that nobody ever gets away with anything wicked. So like Haman, God was setting them up for their own demise. Remember, you have to also understand the word. When you walk forward in the future, you're always hopefully walking forward in wisdom knowing that all your words, all your actions, all your prayers, your obedience are sowing a harvest for you. Hey, Australia, good to see you. Wow, awesome. So your words are taking you places. You understand that? You're sowing a harvest. You live by a season of seed plus time equals harvest. And so if you're sowing a bad harvest, this goes back to a seared conscience. But for the faithful... These are the hearts choosing to get free and get redressed in this hour so they can get ready for God. God is very something very special for you because you've chosen to abide with him, whether you understand where he's taking you or not. In paradise, and what, what stuck out to me when he said in paradise today, do you understand? And this is what I've been sensing in my spirit like the last three days. I've been sensing... We've been getting, we're like, we're waiting on something to happen. I don't know about you, but I've been sensing by the Spirit, I'm waiting for something to happen right now. I'm waiting for like this bursting through, if you will. And the Lord said, you're right, you are. You're, you're waiting for resurrection power. You're waiting for the glory to hit your vessel, which brings in paradise around you. 
That's when you burst through through Christ in you into kingdom, which means everything that you've been decreeing up until now, all the things you've been waiting for God to do, burst through with you. That's the new level. But in order to get there, you've got to be willing to change a few things in order to abide on that level. I told our teams that. You've got to be willing to go into a more narrow, a more simplistic way of living if you're going to come out of the old and into the new. You can't do things the same old way you've been doing them because that won't take you there. Only Christ can take you there, and that's an invitation for you to jump on board. Come on, we're going out of the old, into the new. Taking you into the glory, back into love, so he can finish your story. Which says, this is what this psalm says. I'm going to give you a portion of it. It says, I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There's no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their own sin. The words of their mouth are wicked and deceitful. They fail to act wisely or even do good. Even on their beds, they plot evil. They commit themselves to a sinful course and do not reject what is wrong. This is what we're seeing because of the seared conscience in the body of Christ. And unless we change, I'm, I'm really concerned that not too many are going to make it all the way through and get in. I'm, sincere, I'm sincerely serious about that. But that leads us to Proverbs 21, 21 through 22. If you're just joining us, welcome to the 15-minute rev. I'm sorry you got a late start today. I got a late start. I'm sorry about that. But I'm always appreciative that you join me. I do these on Tuesdays and Fridays, uh, usually around 1.30 CST. Um, but I'm hoping you, if you don't catch us, catch the replay. And then if you missed anything, you can go back and catch what you didn't catch by being live. But let's go to Proverbs 21, 21 through 22, and then I'll get you on your way today. But he, it states that he who follows righteousness and mercy finds life. Righteousness and honor Excuse me, let me rephrase that. I read that wrong. He who finds righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. That's the way I was supposed to have read that. A wise man scales the city of the, of the mighty and brings down the trusted stronghold. So to me, this says this. If you're following the cloud, you're going to find life. You're going to become righteous, not self-righteous. You're not going to try to do things your own way. You're going to uphold God's ways and you're going to take on his way of honor. You're going to start doing things a different way. You're going to start being willing to be willing to get your heart changed and to step back into a place that you've been longing for. You don't even know that you need it. A lot of people don't even know that they've been missing love, but yet they're dying to be loved. They're, they're addicts. They're sexing themselves to death, spending themselves to death, doing all these different things, going from place to place to place, looking for something to fill that void. And all the while, God's over here saying, here I am. Here I am. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. But there's a way that you've got to do it. You've got to scale the city of the mighty. You're going to have to take it back. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So you're going to have to stop. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're going to have to stop. Remember, I told you on Tuesday, there are two groups of people within the body. There's the ultra, ultra truth, truth, truth people who are just angry. They're angry at the lack of truth. They're mad. 
mad. Just, I'm just mad. I'm so mad. What you can make you mad if you look at society, but you can't get stuck there. And then you've got the mercy, mercy, mercy people who don't get anything done. They're like, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't. No, 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 no. I just can't. I can't do that. We just can't do that. And they don't get anything done. Not a doggone thing. And, and God is like, I need you to find some balance in me. I need you to get free so you find out who you are. And so you find authenticity and you become okay with who you are. Even if you're a leader or you're a follower, you're not going to be stuck over here. And you're not going to be stuck over here thinking you got to have it all together, trying to make everybody think you got it all together because everybody knows you don't. Nobody does. Nobody's got it all together. We're all going through. We're going to be going through until the day we go home to be with him. We've all got stuff. Just repent and move on like David. Just change your clothes like Mordecai. Stay dressed for the king. That's what he's saying. That's not a hard thing. He's actually realigning us now in this new place to where, I don't know about you, but a lot of people think, you know, what is your problem? <laughs> I think some people, I think, man, she's loosey-goosey. She just doesn't have any standards and she's not, she doesn't, she's just not aligning like we, you know, we are, you know, we, at least I'm not her. I'm glad I'm not her. Yeah, you should like, you'd like to be me. It's fun to be me. I'm, I have a good time. I laugh. I, I enjoy life a whole lot. This is me. I can't help but me, me. But I'm okay with being me, flaws and all. I'm not ashamed of where I've come from. I'm not afraid to tell you where I've come from. Because it's not who I am anymore. So anybody that's stuck there, anybody stuck in your past, tell them you've moved on. Why are they at your old address? You moved your stuff on. God moved you on. He did it on purpose. It's time for them to come with you if they choose to be in relationship with you. And if they can't come on and accept the new you, then you don't need to be in relationship with them. I've got news for you. They can't accept you for who the way God made you. I don't care if they're in your family, in your church. I don't care. I'm not saying go get a divorce. Don't take it like that. <laughs> All right. I love you guys. I'm taking too much of your time up. But anyway, I... We'll probably catch up with you on Tuesday. I'm going to go get myself a bite to eat. You know, I don't get to eat on Fridays. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> anyway, y'all go have yourself a great weekend. And I'm going to look forward to seeing you Tuesday at 1.30. Pray for me to be on time. If I'm on time. That's a good thing. But I love you. And I'll see you then. Bye, guys. <laughs>